If you're just joining us for the recording, I'm talking about Stranger Things Season 3. Because that show is just dumb, but it's unrepentantly dumb. It's this whole thing that I can't do. And I'm trying to figure it out, and I'm trying to get more into it. So this is a great way to start the show, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You're right. So sorry. Jumping to Jack Speaks right now. I forgot we were in there because nobody's not because nobody's talking. Nobody talks. Uh, so for the live show, people, we just jump back into season, or we just jump back in. Okay, so uh, I'm trying to figure out how to do it. I'm trying to figure out how to get over myself. Oh, can we can we get an everybody ping as well? Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to. How to just be dumb. How to just be dumb. And I'm not going to use any example from Stranger Things, because that would be rude. It just came out. Not everybody has no life like me, so they can watch it all real quickly. But uh, a great example is the pilot of Black Mirror, which I suggest everybody skips and watches the rest of the show instead. In the first episode of Black Mirror, I'm just going to, spoiler alert, trigger warning alert, a dude fucks a pig. And it's not like that's the twist at the end. The whole episode is about, is the dude going to fuck the pig or not? It's a whole episode. And I, <clears throat> I'm i still trying to figure out where I can find the confidence to write like that, even in porn, even in everything I'm doing. And the irony is when I'm not writing porn, I can get so much, I can get so much sillier. I can get so much sillier and so much less serious, and I can just kind of let go and just have total fun with it. I can write sketches where Jesus Christ is wrestling the macho man, and I never think to myself, is that too silly? And in fact, when I, when I pause and I'm looking at the Jesus versus macho man wrestling sketch with God as the ump, my only question is like, how can I, how can I really like, how can I amp this up? Like, what biblical, what biblical research can I do? I know Jesus was a wrestler, but like, what can I, what can I throw in here to make this even sillier? What, what real parts of real life and, and, and real experience can I put in to make this happen, to make this even sillier than it is? But then we move that to the sexy realm of what I'm doing and what I'm writing, and it becomes, uh, just a little bit stranger and a little bit harder for me. And so if the fantasy is is dark, is very dark, I have uh, all these – I kind of tiptoe around it, as you guys might know. Uh, and if if something is, is just really fun or really silly, I have trouble with that tone and, and, and just sustaining it. And it's because of my – rampant, wanton, unrepentant ego. It's because of my massive... It's because I can't stop being afraid that you guys are going to associate with me, the person, what that stuff sounds like, even though I would never think Charlie Booker would ever fuck a pig. But I am legitimately convinced, legitimately, like in my bones, I'm legitimately convinced that... 
Like, if I write this out there, you think that's true about me. I'm legitimately convinced. Now, hold on. Just one second. Plot twist. Can I tell you why I think that and I'm afraid of that? Can I just give you a little, can I just give you a little hitsy-witsy as to why I think that? It's because every time I put something out there, and it doesn't matter what it is, anytime I put something out there, there's always an anon response or two of like, oh yeah, I knew you like that. There's always that. There's always that. But then the other thing is, the freakier you go, like the, the, the less people get of it, whether it be an audio porn or porn in general, right? The more specified, the more niche that it gets, the, the way more intense that goes. That's the other thing, right? Like I've done one pet play thing. One. One pet play thing. One. I've done one. You know why I've done one? Because of the reaction to the one. I've done one pet play thing because of the reaction to that one pet play thing. And because of the number of comments I got, here's what would be great. Here's what would be amazing if I did a thing where it's like, I'm a kitty and I want your cummies, right? I don't want to do that, but I'll do it for you, okay? I will. I'll do it for you, and I'll do it serious, and I'll get through it. But on the other side of that, on the other side of that, you can't send me messages 20, 30, 40 days later out of nowhere while I'm sipping tea, while I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner that night, while I'm just in the middle of my space game trying to stop the fucking mold people from just assimilating the universe, huh? Right? I've got other shit going on. You can't just send me a message in the middle of nowhere that says, Kitty, kitty, oh so hungry, daddy, daddy, give me cummy. You can't do it! You can't! It's not right of you! <laughs> you knew that was special! You knew that was special! You know you can't just break that out. And I know you know. I know you know. If you never have anal sex with a man, if you never have, literally never, not figuratively never, literally never have anal sex with a man, right? You're with him, and you have sex with him once, twice, three times a week, and you literally never have anal sex with him, and then a year and a half in, two years in, you invite him in, and you have anal sex, you are in no way giving consent 30, 40 days from them, him to randomly just shashank and go right back in the back door. That's not how it works. And I know you know that. So it's a down thing. It's an anyway. But that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. I just Italian Spider-Man just so hard. I open up my, my ass box and there it was. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the reaction of the live girls is so fucking funny. Wow, they're really going... I didn't think anybody was going to be sympathetic towards me. I thought I was going to get a lot of, Oh, boo-hoo, Jack. Boo-hoo. Are women thirsty for daddy? Boo-hoo. No, you're all into it. Okay, here's the next personal thing. I have discovered there are now three types of women who will respond to my DMs. Okay? I've been DMing women. I'm not great at it yet. I still prefer to be DMed first. I don't look you up. I just prefer it. I swear to Christ, I don't look at your profile. 
I just like it when you come on to me. Makes me think I'm gonna get uh makes me think I'm gonna get hurt less. <laughs> it's not true. I still get hurt. I just think it. Um so I've been DMing and I've discovered there's three types of responses to if I DM you. There's three types of responses, and that's it. All the women in the world, you're all unique. You're all individual. I think you're all different in every way. Some of you like cheesecake and some of you love it. I think women are different. I really do. Okay, I'm hoping that fucking landed. And if it didn't, I'm in trouble. Uh, nope, it didn't land. I'm in trouble. Pull it out. There's There's three types of responses if I DM somebody. Response number one. System alert. You can just see, like, something locking down on the other person's end. Like, I was invited to come in to this, like, threshold. Like, it's like, I do kind of think of, like, a sci-fi thing, like, where you've got a space station in the middle of nowhere, and it's, like, this listening post, and you've got somebody there, like, the cold open to Battlestar Galactica, the remake, something like that. Yeah, right? Coming in to listen and hear Battlestar Galactica, the remake. Boy, that's got to be a ruiner of a Saturday or Friday night. That's got to suck. This is what we're talking about? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I do. I kind of imagine, like, a woman and, like, she has an emissary from, like, her home planet. And she sent up this signal, like, If the Grey Knight species would ever like to make contact, here's where you may find me. And then I do, right? I come in and I dock. But as soon as I, like, hail that station, you can just see that the shields go up to full, the weapons immediately come out and are hot and are all target. Like, you can just see, like, it It wasn't, I was invited, maybe? But I still wasn't expected. It was one of those things where, like, it's like a wedding invitation? I don't know. Where, like, you're like, we'll just invite Hopper from Stranger Things to our wedding. What's he gonna do? Show up? And then he does, right? It's like one of those, I guess it might be one of, I don't know. I haven't really figured it out. Here's why. I have discovered that after that reaction, right? After that reaction of, of like, the shields come up and, like, the weapons are hot and, like, ah! ah, ah! Like, it's usually, it's usually a burst like that. It's usually three different texts that come in real quick and they're real short, like, OMG, uh, uh, it's like something like that, right? Like, after that fucking immediate, like, watch out, motherfucker! easy. After that comes the most composed, most elaborate, elongated, PG Woodhouse kind of fucking message out of after <laughs> silence. Then comes a bunch of ellipses, a lot of ellipses, and then, <clears throat> well, helloest, my dearest knight. It is such a pleasure to meet you on this morrow. I have been thinking about you for some time, and in my thoughts and in my heart, you doth dwell. Like, it just, it's like, come on now, I don't, I don't know what you're wanting. I saw two sides of you just now, and I figure one of them's gotta be closer to real than the other. Just plain. So that's number one. That's DM response number one. DM number response two terrifies me. DM response two I'll take number one any day of the week. That's me turning on a kitchen light and a mouse who's eating a cheese nip is like caught and we make eye contact. I'm okay. 
Like, I may be startled by the response, but I'm going to live through it. I know the mouse is more afraid of me than I am of it. I know that it says a lot about me that me and the mouse are inhabiting the same space at the same time. But I think I can take the mouse. I think if the mouse, if the mice gets me real good, if he gets me sick with his mouth, I think if they get me sick, I'll survive. I can get medicine. I'll survive this encounter. Number two is like turning on that kitchen light and there's just a fucking wolf sitting on your fucking island, just sitting on your counter, just sitting there, just looking at you. That's number two. And the response is, like, I put it in and I'll be all like, hey, how's it going? And it'll, and it'll come back a little bit later. And, and girl, number, girl, girl response type number two is, finally. It's like, oh, no! Oh, that's even scarier! Oh, no! Oh! We've been expecting you for a while. Like, oh, uh-oh, uh-oh, what's happening here? And, like, the responses here are much more varied, but it starts off with a, so you messaged me. And then within four to five responses, it'll be like, so I'm in Chicago. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that either, man. Holy shit. Ah, oh, tap the brakes. Hold on. You, I, I legitimately, I didn't know if you were 18 or 28 or 38 or 48. Uh, your avatar is a landscape. Your avatar is literally a sun going into the water, you know? <laughs> I'm real, I'm real happy to hear you're in Chai Town, but I am not ethereally, physically, sexually for a while. Just saying. Oh. <laughs> well, I've only been DMing women for a month, so this is all new to me. I've not ever DMed women as the Grey Knight. That's absolutely true. I've just not done it. So this is all new experience to me. Type number three. I'm just going to call him the Tom Jones sword. I don't, we just Tom Jones pretty recently on the podcast. But it does kind of feel like panties being thrown at your face. And again, don't know what to do with it, but I'm just going to throw out there what it feels like happens with, with response type number three, which is just, I say hi, I say hello, I say something maybe in response to one of their posts, it's very casual. It's never like, hi, I'm the Grey Knight, and I was wondering if you would suck my cock. Just in case you were wondering, that's never how it goes. It's much more like a, hey, oh, you like Terry Pratchett too. That's cool. I just was reading this book. You know, it's like one of those. Okay, that's what I want you to imagine. And then the person on the other end responds with, And then just like, typically, just I want you to imagine a sigh, right? Like, and then a response or two that's usually very nice, very nice, very nice, very sweet. I hope you're having a nice week. I hope things are going well for you. Very sweet, very nice, exactly. I could eat it all day with a spoon. And then, depending... And how she's feeling that day, or I guess what's going on, or I guess, uh, you know, maybe maybe she's an individual person. I shouldn't lump all women together. I don't know. One of the three. She 
just start sending pictures. <laughs> like a like a viewmaster. Like a viewmaster. For those of you who don't know what a viewmaster is, it was this little thing you hold up to your eyes and you see pictures and there's a lever that you press and then you see the next one. Here's the problem though. The lever is not in my control. I don't get to say next. So so really what it is is like a viewmaster that jumps on your fucking face and then it automatically starts clicking through and it starts showing you what it wants. Oh, wow, Charlie Booker's getting a fucking hard-on right... So right now, Charlie Booker's getting such a fucking hard-on for the face-hugging Viewmaster. Oh, shit! That's the next episode, baby! Got it! <laughs> it... It is. And here's the thing. If you're listening to this and you've sent me nudes, please know that I appreciate each and every nude. I do. That's not... That's not that's not a joke, and that's not hyperbole. I do, because I think it's super brave, especially with a guy that you don't know. Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean that. I could. I've never sent out a dick shot. I never will ever, ever. You see me dropping trow in a pick? It is fake, guaranteed. No one's ever gotten a dick pick from me. No one ever will. Statue or nothing. That's how I'm doing a fucking nude. All right, fucking card from granite. Or Zippo. That's what you're getting. <laughs> so I know that it's really hard to send somebody a nude. I do. I know that that's hard. But when you send a guy a bunch of... I'm just telling you because maybe you think we're all this dumb. But we're not. If you send a guy a bunch of pics and you hang on some of them... And you send others through like a fucking, like a ship in the night. Like you're trying to like get that past. We, we know, we see that rate increasing. We're not doing anything else when you're sending us new. If you send us a nude, we might do something else. I agree, right? You send us a nude, we'll look at you and then we'll be like, okay, processed. And then it's in there. We can go back to Xbox. But I need you to understand, if you're sending us nudes, if this is an ongoing, if this is an ongoing process, we're not doing anything else. If there's something in the oven, it can fucking wait. If the cat is screaming and throwing up, she'll be sick in a couple of minutes. Okay? Like, it's all right. The sheriff's at the door. I got a security gate. We've got a couple of moments. I've got two hands. One's on the phone and the other's on my... If you're sending nudes, I'm definitely touching my balls, at least. I mean, as long as you're sending them, that's what I'm watching. It's like a live stream to our horny, adolescent, teenage fantasies. It's like if we could have opened up a portal, because I don't think you understand. It's not nudes. There's nudes always on the internet. If I want to, there's always a naked lady out there. I don't know if you know that about the internet. There's always one out there. So it's not about the nudity, okay? It's about a woman thinking you're so attractive or so interesting or so worthy of her attention or, or, or that she is programming the nudes for you, baby. 
all the naked women in the world and all the dumbass guys trying to get her and she is 100% doing a fan dance for you. For you. It's so great. Oh, there's no guy out there who's like, oh, I hate nudes. There's only guys out there who are like me who are like, oh, I hate all the beeps I get for the notifications of the nudes. Oh, I hate the beeps. So we turned the beeps off. But we love, there's no guy out there who hates the nude. There's no guy, you get a picture from a woman out there and she's like, I want you to fuck me. And you look at her and you're like, I don't want to fuck you. He's not like, ah, he's like, ah, but thanks though. Hey, hey, apocalypse happens. Who knows? Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Right? Like that's, don't, I mean, <laughs> that's how it works. So if you're sending us nudes, like if you've decided, okay, this guy's not just going to get a picture or whatever. He's going to get a bunch of pictures or you're going to do this weird thing that I guess is kind of next generational. My generation doesn't really do this, but the next generation does, where you decide you're just going to kind of do like a modeling shoot in your bathroom mirror, like a video. You're just going to take a video, and you've all got this Harry Potter kind of magic wand, I guess, path that you take so that the camera goes over your body in a certain way, and it looks really nice. You've all you've all bellinied your body in the mirror so that you know that you can film the video for 30 seconds. You're like, okay, first I'm going to turn to my right, and then I'm going to turn to my left, and then back up to the face, and kissy face. Mwah. Oh, I nailed it! And, like, I don't know where the strategy came from. I don't know if you're sending these videos to each other for pointers. I don't know how, but... Of a certain age and below, <laughs> women take these now. And they take these videos and they'll just send you 30 to 90 second videos of their of their face and bodies in the mirror, in the bathroom mirror. And they'll be like, what do you want? And it, every time I get one of those, I legitimately, it legitimately, legitimately, like from the bottom of my heart, it feels like when you're done with your character in a character creation screen of an RPG and you're ready to press that button to begin the game and you're just giving them a little twirl just to make sure you haven't spun them around at any previous point in the character creation, but you're like, oh, this is it. I got to confirm. So you just give them a little twirl and you kind of look at your haircut from the back and shit. You're like, okay, spin around. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I could play with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could spend 10 to 15 hours with this. This wouldn't be so bad. That's okay. I could do that. 10 to 15 hours. 10 to 15 hours with that? Sure. That's good looking enough for 10 to 15 hours. Why not? I could deal with that. Sure. Why not? Yeah. I like the way it's fully modeled. You can see shit from the back and the side. It's great. Uh, legitimately, and from the bottom of my heart, especially when you're not expecting them, when, when women rotate in a camera for you like they are a dish in a 1950s cafeteria on one of those glass plates just going around in a circle, it doesn't make any sense to me. But it is amazing. It is a wonderful thing. When people made the cell phone camera, they did not anticipate this one. 
They for sure did not anticipate women were just going to Doctor Who scan their bodies with the cameras and just go all over and then come back. I can't remember the name of the fucking screwdriver from Doctor Who. That's what I was trying to remember. Anybody? What's it called? That fucking screwdriver? The supersonic? What's it called? It's not just called Sonic. That's the name of Tails' friend that grabs gold rings. What's it called? The full name, you assholes. I think there's another part besides Sonic Screwdriver. I think it's called like a something Sonic Screwdriver. Well, you're all saying Sonic Screwdriver now. So maybe it is just Sonic. It is just Sonic? Okay. I didn't... Nobody who made the cell phone was going to think that women were going to send nudes to men by going over their bodies like as a Sonic Screwdriver. But here we are. But here we are. Can I just tell you how weird it is to be talking about video games and then have a bunch of hot women just yell Sonic at you? Just yell Sonic. Literally 20 hot-ass fucking women on a Friday night. Sonic! Sonic Scooter! Sonic! Rose was the best companion! Flashing me and shit. <laughs> Sonic! You women play more video games than me. <laughs> Speaking of of portals from the live portals from the live realm before before I just gotta say normally before we do a live show before I record for all the people listening to this after the fact like it's really light and it's fun not today. Today I talked about the Night Stalker. Today we talked about sexual assault. Oh yeah, I got into it today. We just went into like horrible dark places. So all the live people are prepped for this. Everybody listening at home, watch out. Trigger warning suicide. Uh, <laughs> and it's fun. But talking about like portals, you know, like that you could open up and you wish you could see through. I legitimately... Like, I sometimes think today about just how glad I am that I didn't commit suicide at 17. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, I swear, I'm, this isn't going to get tear-jerky or anything like that. Uh, I legitimately think, like, it's. I'm so glad I didn't do it just because of how funny my life is these days compared to now. Like, when I was 17... Right? And I didn't know I was sick and I didn't know I was pain. I took myself like hyper serious. Oh, there's too many hearts. There's too many sweet sweetness going on. I don't know how to deal with it. I'm trying to make this funny. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, I need to be a senator. I need to be so serious. I need, I need to be, I need to be, like, I was, I was just so up my own ass and so serious and I took it all. And like the suicidalness came from, I was never going to match up to what I wanted to be. I was never going to achieve all my goals, even at 17. I was never going to get what I wanted. I was yada, 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 yada. Like, I know you know the pain of that period. I know the, I know you know the, the pain of existence. We don't need to harp on it for too much longer. Uh, <clears throat> but that's where that pain and that's where that frustration came from. And if I could just, like, I thought just even a couple of years ago, it would have been funny to open up a portal and be like, you know, all that stuff you're worried about. Like, if I could just show you, like, let me just give you three minutes. Let me just give you three minutes that'll show you you need to stop fucking worrying about all that shit, kid. Let me just give you three fucking minutes. But that's a funny thought. If I could just take any part of me, 
even from like two years ago, even from like two years ago, three years ago, if I could take me from any point in my life and just like pull my head out of portal and just like point him towards the screen and be all like, hey, do you see that that guy talking in the mic and he's talking to all those women and they're all yelling Sonic at him? And they'll be like, yeah, like, yeah, that's his job. And to just shove him right back through the fucking portal and close it. And just make him go, what? What? I, what? <laughs> just like, get him here faster. Like, light the fire under, like, make sure he sees it and he knows it's real. He sees it and he knows it's real. Then he can, oh, it's just like Prince Valiant. I'll never stop fighting for it. I know it's real. I saw it in a dream. Like at one point, someone in my life actually said the words to me. Like, what are you going to do? Masturbate for money? You can't see my hands, but my palms are facing towards the ceiling. My shoulders are up and I'm smiling a little bit. Well, as a matter of fact... <laughs> Ah, here's, here's the great thing. Not only will I masturbate for uh, a living, and not only will I think I'm pretty well taken care of as I do it, here's the great thing. The first two times it's offered to me, I'll laughingly reject it. <laughs> you want me to do what with my voice? <laughs> me? <laughs> That's a true story. If you guys didn't know that, that is 100% true. The first two times someone said that I should do radio, uh, the first two times somebody says you should, you, should, you should use that voice and you should read stories, but you shouldn't read the stories that are on Literatica. You should just do, you should just act like we're in the same room. The first two times a woman said that to me, I told her what a moron she was. Ha ha ha, you idiot. Women don't like that. What are you talking about? You want me to act like I'm in the same room as you? What are you talking about? We're on Literotica. There's literally 20 billion stories about it. This is what girls want. What are you talking about? So then I did it once, right? Once, and I did it for literal. This is true. Have I never told this story? Really? Oh, wow. This is crazy. So I went to, I was, I was a regular on Literotica chat, the Literotica chat. This is where this all happened. Uh, the Literotica chat room, the official Literotica chat. I'm going to keep saying Literotica chat. Uh, <clears throat> and I've been a regular for years there. And I had, I have porn on Literotica. And uh, a gal that I thought was very attractive uh, suggested it. And I said, no. And then a gal uh, that was kind of her friend, but not really, because uh, that place is weird, said you should absolutely uh, do like you should. You should. They, they didn't have any words for it. There wasn't. Nobody had like the words erotic uh, erotic audio. Nobody pointed me to gale force. Like none of those. None of that vocabulary existed. They just said you should use your voice because I think your voice is nice because they heard me read one of my stories for the chat once. And you should and you should talk to me though directly is how they were framing it. Now that I'm thinking about it, they're like you should be like Lisa. I want to kiss you, Lisa. Lisa, you're so sexy, Lisa. 
And I was all like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to, I don't want to do that. And the way that I got talked into it, because I would have phone sex there from time to time, is you should really try it, and the and you should just think about it like phone sex, and you should just do like a little phone sex play. And I'm like, well, I'm good at phone sex. I shouldn't have way. And then the way that I got over the hump is this is a very true thing for me when I'm writing things. Um, it's way easier to write a villain than it is to write a hero. Villains are interesting. And so it's really easy to write somebody who's interesting who wants to kill you. And it's way harder to write somebody who's interesting who wants to save you from the person who's trying to kill you. The guy who wants to kill you, inherently interesting. When I want you to legitimately think about this before you get off on this point too quick. Just a real quick tangent. I want you to think about how quickly we're suckers for like a scary guy is interesting. Like how quickly a TV show can set that up. 30 seconds of a house not being clean and like a guy tapping his head and being all like, ah, they told me, they told me. And we're like, oh, okay, what's this guy's? What are we doing? Oh, all right, what's he, okay. Like that's all it takes. And we're in, we're like, okay, well, this guy's bad news. And what are the, what's he doing? Uh, it's way hard to make a hero interesting, especially if you don't just make them totally flawed. Uh, and so, gosh, I got off on that fucking tangent because I, I hit the guys. I hit my head for real. You probably heard it, and then I knocked the thought out. Where was I? I'm so sorry. Daddy knocked the thought out of his head. He was very silly. Ah, <laughs> uh, I know that I got on this tangent, and I should have origin story. I know, but phone sex. Right, bad guys, bad guys. Okay, why are bad guys more interesting? Okay, so the second thing I wrote, maybe the third. This is super early on is a bad guy, and it is a trigger warning R word. It is a, uh, it is a rape word scene uh, where a, a policeman rapes a, a person that they're interrogating. This is the second or third thing that I wrote. And the reason why I just went like full fucking tilt into it is because I wanted to make it interesting. Is because I couldn't, I was sitting there, again, nobody said the words erotic audio, I didn't know that there were screenwriters. I didn't know there were communities or anything like that out there. Uh, I just knew that women wanted me to do a story. And they wanted, and I didn't really know how else to, to do a story. So I went back to playwriting. Uh, this is before I started looking up radio plays and how to figure out how to do radio plays and work that into it. And so I went back to playwriting. And I went, okay, so what's a one-person scene? What's a monologue? Because that's what this is. How do you make an interesting monologue? And then how do you make a monologue that people want to listen to? So I went for, you know, I basically went like a Netflix show. Like, let's just, like, rape and torture and, and prison. Uh, you know, let's go with all these interesting things, and that'll make the audio interesting. And so as I start off down this path of trying to become the Grey Knight, that is the, that is the path that I take of let's be very, very serious, and let's try and be very official and uh, very literate about it all. and. Yeah, it worked okay. It did. It did all right. But pretty shortly after that, I found out, oh, if I if I just fuck around, if I just have fun with it, if I just describe something that I think is sexy, if I just get into the physical details and, and uh, the niche of it, uh, that is also very entertaining for women as well. And so, gosh, I've got such a big smile on my face. I've never, I, I've really never told that before. That's how it got started. <clears throat> uh, two very attractive women in a sexual chat room. Uh, 
basically said that I should and coaxed me into it. Uh, after I did that, they kind of passed it around to, I mean, with permission, obviously, uh, to a couple of the women in Lerotica chat. Uh, and I got some positive feedback. And pretty shortly after that, a, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is the origin story. An 18 year old girl and I began an email exchange. <gasps> uh, it was not sexual or, nor was it flirtatious in any way. However, it was very, very instrumental uh, because she had the ability to simply answer me in a way that I understood and resonated with. So I would directly ask her a question as specific and direct. She was in college. She was, she was uh, very, very young, right? She was 18, 19 over the course of our correspondence. And I could directly send her an email without any awkwardness after a point. And be all like, okay, so uh, when do you stop nipple play? <laughs> like, in an, like, like compared to the last audio I did, like, when do you stop talking about the fucking nipples? Like, do you ever stop talking about the nipples? Or do you always talk about the nipples? What, what's nip, what nipple mile? Like, I could ask her those questions and, and she would give me a very firm response. And then she also had, very, very clear, very, very uh, granular uh, advice for me that I still follow to this day. So if I do these three things to this day, and uh, this is how we we stopped communicating, is she said, do these three things after everything we've discussed, because uh, this is what women like. So if you like these three things, this is because of her. Ready? Number one, uh, essentially announce that you're about to come. Uh and give us a, 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 as fair of a warning as you can because we want to come with you or we want to hear it and savor it. But we want that. We want the alert. We want to know. Okay. So she's the one who uh, who told me because before her, I just came. Okay. That's, that's the first thing she told me. So we're going to see if she's absolutely right about this advice. Number two, when talking about the mechanics and logistics of sex – always default towards the specific. That is to say, it is much better for me to say, uh, I'm putting my hand on your ribs than I'm putting my hand on your side. Always default to specificity. Always. Okay. Right? That's number two. Okay. Everybody's in with this one. Uh, number three, always change your vocal tone a little over the course of an audio. Doesn't matter if you're going high or low, doesn't matter whatever you're doing, always change it at least a little bit. Doesn't matter when or why you're changing it, always have that alteration. Okay, all right, the women are into it. Well, she's the one who gave me those three uh, pieces of information. Not, not mono, sorry, not monotone. Somebody brought that up, and I just want to, uh, not that you say anything wrong, but not, 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 don't be monotone. That's very good advice for radio. Very good advice is don't be, don't be Ben Stein and do a podcast. Very good advice, 100%. But it's not not be monotone. It's change your voice. It's legitimately, and I, and I, I try and make sure of it on almost every single audio that even if it's like, uh, even if it's like everything in the audio is at this level, there's still at least a little bit that we do here. And we, and we bring it down. And then we can come back here, right? And it, and that's, See, Damien said why, and that was also my question. But she said, do this, and women will love it. And I did it, and women love it. So now maybe you guys can tell me. 
Because I've actually been kind of curious on that one myself. Not right now, obviously. Oh my god, guys, we've been talking for so fucking long and we haven't even gotten started with the show yet. <sighs> guys, I'm not even high. Guys, I'm not even that high. <sighs> Let's just be real. I <sighs> This show is going to go on forever. You guys have to pay me. Let's put up the tip jar. I know. I'm having a great time, too. You guys have to pay me. All this entertainment. I know it's the beginning of the month. I know you bitches got money. Yes, even $5 counts as a whole lot. Come on now. Throw in. We're going to have a long, long time tonight. We're going... Yes, it does keep things interesting. We're going to have fun tonight. And we're going to keep it going. All right. Let's get moved to quick quotes. And we'll get started right away. We're going to move into quick quotes as you girls tip me. Throw that money in the basket. Quick quotes, if you put it into quotation marks, I will say it. And that's all we need. That's all we need. And then we're going to get going right away. We've got a lot of poetry tonight. We've got a fair bit of smut tonight. We've got a lot of wonderful things. This is the show that never ends. Yes, it goes on and on, my friends. Some singles in romance saw it saying long ago. Oh, how'd it go? Some man saw it singing it long ago. Gosh, how does that go? I haven't heard it in so long. Some man saw it singing it long ago. How it ends and nobody knows. This is the song that never ends. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. So... Uh, it's quick quotes, which means you guys are supposed to be putting things in quotation marks. <laughs> I'll do the knife one at the end. Somebody remind me to do Space Ghost at the end, not the beginning. We especially like new girls. New girls who want me to say their names. New girls who have always wanted me to say something or use a pet name for them. This is your time. You've ever wanted me to say something specifically for... And to you, and then, not knowing what it was, and then we kept on singing it forever. Well, I can't remember the melody of the song that never ends. Lucky for you all, because I would sing it repeatedly. You are such a good girl, Kelly. Oh, we're getting serious tonight. I'm taking off my headphones so I can really, really fuck this fucking mic with my voice. So here we go. Jenny, baby, you are killing it. Have a wonderful and safe trip, Mal. Can't wait till you get back. I love it when you smile for me, baby girl. You've made it through the week, kitten, and I am so proud of you. You are such a good girl. Over my lap. Now! Do not make me repeat myself. Fuck your comma. You think I'm going to say don't 
after I say over my lap now with a pause after each? I don't think so. We're using the whole do not. Do nots like my name is Homer Simpson. You girls have to speed this up. I know that I regaled you and I know that you're all so turned on, but you guys, you gotta give me something to say. This machine, it it runs on dialogue. Who's excited for questions coming back to the podcast? If you said you, then it's time to be brave. Here in the next week, you guys are going to be sending in your voice question links to Allie. Because it's been far too long since we had questions. I know you guys love it when girls ask questions and daddy answers them. Come on, guys. Where's the quick quotes? You said you wanted to start the show. I'm just trying to buy some time until I got some more quotes. Because you didn't say you wanted to start the show. I guess I said I wanted to start the show, and you guys just kept saying, We love you. You're amazing. Whatever you want to do. I'm going to start massaging you now. I promise I won't be gone that long again. You should stop talking back before I give you something to cry about. Such a patient one. You deserve a little treat, baby girl. Now, get on your knees. I want you to come for me, Jen. Oh, baby, I'm so sorry that hurts. Come here and let me do it again. <laughs> Your... Oh, <clears throat> apologies. Love you, baby girl. You're such a brave girl for me, baby girl. It's simple. You move, I stop. <laughs> that reminds me of a book title. I'm going to get this a little bit wrong, but not by much. Called like the Half Japanese, Half Irish Guide to Farming Radishes and Raising Wolves. It's a book. And whenever I, I read something like, it's simple, you move, I stop, I think about that book. Because there's, uh, there's a lot of cultural clues in it. You've been naughty, Alex. Now come here. And don't make daddy wait. I want the neighborhood to know who's doing this to you. I want them to know who's pleasuring you. 
Okay, guys, we're finishing up. So especially if you're a new girl or you haven't commented tonight, please go ahead and get that quick quote in. If you have had something read, please go ahead and refrain as we move towards the end of quick quotes, finishing in on up, moving on into the reading section. New girls, especially if it's your first time out, we very much appreciate you putting in a quick quote. I know it's scary and intimidating, but don't you want me to say your name or something affectionate or something you've always wanted me to request? <clears throat> I love it when your skin turns that beautiful pink color under my touch, cat. So needy today, kitten. Oh, babies love to hear daddy's Icks. And I brought this one on myself, I suppose, but I'm a knife, knifing around. Cut, 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 cut. I quoted Space Ghost, so I brought the Space Ghost quotes to me. You sure did, buddy. I used to do a very good Moltar and Zorak. They're both done by the same voice. <laughs> yes, yes, I'll destroy you, Space Ghost. <laughs> Whoa. Settle down. Yeah, like, uh, listen, we're going to go ahead and listen. Space Ghost, Space Ghost. Whoa, settle down. I uh I can kind of I can't do it right now. Thank you. It's okay. I can do a little bit better. I was kind of doing I can do a really good Joe Swanson from Family Guy because I could do a really good Patrick Warburton some days. Uh so I was working on doing uh on accident. I was uh I was working on doing uh uh Chris from Family Guy as well. Um because Seth Green one day just said how he came up with that voice before we get started with the reading. This will be the nice little transition, I guess. Um, Seth Green talked about how he was in the waiting room for that part. He, he read for it like everybody else. And how everybody else in the waiting room was doing a surfer voice. They saw his blonde hair and they were all doing – I just can't even imagine this – a family guy where, where Chris would have said like, Hey, Don. How you doing, Don? Oh, God, Don. And that's what literally everybody else in the room was doing. And he thought back to when he was a punk teenager before he even got his Buffy job. Uh, and he would go to drive through windows, right? And he would order like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. And so he would be like, yes, I'd like to have a Whopper. I'd like to have a Whopper with extra onions on it, please. Just give me the extra onions. And like he worked, he did that over and over and over again. And so distinguish him, him distinguish himself uh, from everybody else in that room. He walked in and he did Buffalo Bill. He didn't do the Chris voice that we know and love today. He walked in. He's like, hey, dad, I was wondering if you could take me to the mall. And <laughs> they're like, uh, he's a teenager. And so he just lined it up a little bit. He's like, hey, Dad, who's just what? Like, I can't really do it right now. I was working on it earlier and I got, kind of got close. But that's why there's that, that's why he's just – he's Buffalo Bill with a higher register and a quicker, more rapid pace. I'm like, oh, my God. So I was trying to do that earlier and I actually got pretty close. Yeah, 
It's pretty funny, isn't it? Voice work. It's weird how you describe it. Also, for anybody out there, this is 100% true. If you want to sound like John Lithgow, you just open your mouth in a circle. If you want to sound like John Lithgow, you just open your mouth in a circle and you kind of sound like John Lithgow. (laughs) That's a joke, but I think it's hilarious. Ah, voice jokes. All right, let's get into what you actually want me to do. (laughs) which is stop blabbing about myself and start reading other people's works. So here we go. Gushing from the mouths of stone men to spread at ease under the sky in granite-lipped basins where the iris dabble their feet and rustle to a passing wind, the water fills the garden with its rushing in the midst of the quiet, close-clipped lawns. Damp smell in the ferns and tunnels of stone where trickle the plash and fountains, marble fountains, yellowed with much water. Splashing down the moss-tarnished steps, it falls the water, and the air is throbbing with it, with its gurgling and running, with its leaping and deep, cool murmur. And I wished for night and you. I wanted to see you in the swimming pool, white and shining in the silver-flecked water, while the moon rode over the garden, high in the arch of night, and the scent of the lilacs was heavy with the stillness. Night and the water, and you in your whiteness, bathing. In a Garden by Amy Lowell I would have thought that written by a man. Very heteronormative of me. Do we still use that word anymore? Heteronormative? I haven't heard in years. Do people even say it? (laughs) Uh, uh, Or did Ryan Murphy get too many shows for us to care about that word anymore? There's a certain level of Ryan Murphy saturation where you're like, eh. I try not to be heteronormative, but I just am, baby. What do you want from me? Oh, okay. I thought I thought I might get a smile reaction out of that. Shut up and do the poems. You got it. Even in bed I pose. Desire may grow more circumstantial and less circumspect. Each night... But an acute girl would suspect my thoughts might not be like my body, bare. I wonder if you know, or knowing, care. You know I know you know I know you know. I am not what I seem, believe me, so I am the magnanimous pagan. I pretend substitute a fort creature as your friend. When darkness lies without a roll or stir, flaccid, you want a competent poseur, whose seeming is only thing to know. I prod you, you react. Thus to and fro we turn to see ourselves perform the same comical act inside the same tragic game. Or is it perhaps simpler? Could it be a mere tearjerker, void of honesty, in which there is no motives left to known? 
Lie back. Within a minute, I will stow your greedy mouth, but it will not yet come to grips. There is a space between the beast and lips. Also a space between the thigh and head, so great we might as well not be in bed, for we learn nothing here we did not know. I hardly hoped for happy thoughts, although in a most happy sleeping time I dreamt we did not hold each other in contempt. Then, lifting my lids, night's pennies' weights, I saw the lack of love's contaminants. You know, I know, you know, I know, you know. Abandon me to stammering and go. If you have tears, prepare to cry elsewhere. I know of no emotion we can share. Your intellectual protests are a bore, and even now I pose. So now go, for I know you know. Carnal Knowledge by Tom Gunn Interesting. Very violent. Now that one I knew was written by a man <laughs> before we got to the end, and I would have been shocked if it wasn't. <clears throat> Coming together, it is easier to work after our bodies meet paper and pen, neither care nor profit whether we write or not. But as your body moves under my hands, charged and waiting, we cut the leash you create me against your thighs, hilly with images moving through our word countries. My body writes into your flesh the poem you make of me. Touching you, I catch midnight as moon fires set in my throat. I love your flesh into blossom. I made you. And now take you made into me. Recreation by Audre Lorde <clears throat> I hate the way you talk to me and the way you cut your hair. I hate the way you drive your car. I hate it when you stare. I hate your big dumb combat boots and the way you read my mind. I hate you so much it makes me sick. It even makes me rhyme. I hate it. I hate the way you're always right. I hate it when you lie. I hate it when you make me laugh even worse when you make me cry. I hate it when you're not around and the fact you didn't call, but mostly I hate the way I don't hate you, not even close, not even a little bit, not even at all. Ten things I hate about you. If only you knew the wicked thoughts that I am having of you. Of limbs entangled, yours and mine. Of lips locked in kisses and bodies entwined. Of twisted sheets covered in sweat. Of moments so sweet, unblemished by regrets. Of hours shared in passion's embrace. Of precious moments staring at your face. 
as you lie in my arms upon my chest, satisfied after hours in passion's embrace. Then you loudly call my name, and I gently blush in shame. I smile secretly to myself as I love my fantasies, yet unmet, for now they are just my sweet escape, my getaway from a dreary day. A penny for your thoughts, you say, and I smile to myself, perhaps another day. Wicked thoughts, and I'm not quite sure how to say this person's name. I'm going to go with Inhete Chisone, and I'm going to spell it I-N-J-E-T-E. I've never seen this name before. Last name, C-H-E-S-O-N-I. I'm going to go with Inhete or Injete Chisone. I'm going, to, I'm going to put an H on it, but I really don't know if that's right. <clears throat> Let me take care of your broken heart and show you how to fly. Let me hold you gently by the hand and kiss your tears goodbye. Let me lead you to tomorrow's light and out of needless rain, because all I want right now is to see you smile again. Let me sing you all the songs I wrote till you sleep in my embrace, and I'll keep you safe and warm until the sunlight strokes your face. Let me bring you up to the mountain's peak. I'll let you touch the skies to remind you of the strength I see when I look into your eyes. Let me kiss and show you what is love and the happiness it brings. You'll sail again like a butterfly endowed with pretty wings. Let me do all the things to let you see our fates are intertwined. You're the accidental precious gem I've waited long to find. The earth and sky conspired to make us meet. They knew we both belong to each other like words and lovely notes give life to every song. So fly with me, my beautiful one. It's time to leave the past. I'm yours to keep, and you are mine. We're finally home at last. Let Me by Randy Badakin. Randy Badakin, Let Me. Looks like that one was a new quick favorite. Got a big reaction out of the live girls on that one. Okay. <clears throat> it is difficult to know what to do with so much happiness. With sadness, there is something to rub against, a wound to tend with lotion and cloth. When the world falls in around you, you have places to pick up, something to hold in your hands, like ticket stubs or change. But happiness floats. It doesn't need you to hold it down. It doesn't need anything. Happiness lands on the roof of the next house, singing, and it disappears when it wants to. You are happy either way. 
Even the fact that you once lived in the peaceful treehouse and now live over a quarry of noises and dust cannot make you unhappy. Everything has a life of its own. It, too, could wake up filled with possibilities of coffee cake and ripe peaches and love even with the floor which needs to be swept and soiled linens and scratched records. Since there is no place large enough to contain so much happiness, you shrug. You raise your hands, and it flows out of you into everything you touch. You are not responsible. You take no credit, as the night sky takes no credit for the moon, but continues to hold it and share it, and in that way be known. So Much Happiness by Naomi Shayab Nye Spelled N-Y-E. Naomi Nye. N-Y-E. That was gorgeous. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to think about that one a little bit. Wow. That was gorgeous. That really was a very interesting thought. Uh, oh, wow. That was the last poem. Oh, goodness. Was it? Huh. Okay. We've got a couple of things to read, and then on to the erotic stories. So here we go. <clears throat> I am reduced to a thing that wants Virginia. I composed a beautiful letter to you in the sleeping nighttime hours of that night, and it has all gone. I just miss you in a quite simple, desperate human way. You, with all your undone letters, would never write so elementary phrase as that. Perhaps you wouldn't even feel it. And yet, I believe you'll be sensible of a little gap. But you'd clothe it in so exquisite a phrase that it would lose a little of its reality, whereas with me, it is quite stark. I miss you even more than I could have believed, and I was prepared to miss you a good deal. So this letter is really just a sequel of pain. It is incredible how essential to me you have become. I suppose you are accustomed to people saying these things. Damn you, spoiled creature. I shan't make you love me any more by giving myself away like this. But, oh, my dear, I can't be clever and standoffish with you. I love you too much for that, too truly. You have no idea how standoffish I can be with people. I do not love. I have brought it to a fine art, but you have broken down my defenses, and I don't really resent it. A letter from Vita Sackville to Virginia Woolf. Marriage is a lifelong commitment to buy groceries for another person. Each week, I buy you seven plums because they are your morning ritual. Every once in a while, you bring home a bag of persimmons and I undress them slowly by the sink. We have not yet figured out the right way to eat a pomegranate, though the last time we were in Jerusalem, someone told me it was a forbidden fruit and not the apple, which I am ashamed to say I almost never wash. 
I am unclean in many ways like that ham and cheese lunchable that I hid from my grandmother. Or the turkey bacon that remarkably tastes like bacon, maybe because it is bacon. There is honestly in the oatmeal and the Greek yogurt which was never eaten by the ancient Greeks, though the wisdom of Aristotle is printed on the side, we are what we repeatedly do. You, repeatedly standing in front of the milk calling, me, repeatedly staring at the BBQ aisle singing. There are love poems everywhere, but here, in the breakfast pantry aisle, I hand you a box of Pop-Tarts and say, put this in my toaster. And you know exactly what I mean. Marriage by Louisa uh, ooh. Muradyan. I'm going to go with Muradyan. M-U-R-A-D-Y-A-N. That was beautiful. That was very sweet. <clears throat> you have to be always drunk. That's all there is to it. It's the only way. So as to not feel the horrible burden of time that breaks your back and bends you to the earth, you have to be continually drunk. But on what? Wine? Poetry? Virtue? As you wish. But be drunk. And if sometimes on the steps of a palace or the green grass of a ditch, in the mournful solitude of your room, you wake again, drunkenness already diminishing or gone, ask the wind, the wave, the star, the bird, the clock, everything that is flying, everything that is groaning, everything that is rolling, everything that is singing, everything that is speaking, ask what time it is. The wind, the wave, star, bird, clock will answer you. It is time to be drunk, so as not to be martyred slaves of time. Be drunk, be continually drunk on wine, on poetry, or on virtue, as you wish. Be drunk. Charles Baudelaire, who died at 45. So, bottoms up indeed. All right, guys, that was... <laughs> Eat, drink, and be merry. That was the poetry and prose section for this evening. Hopefully you enjoyed all of that. I enjoyed it for you. We are about to get into the smut. One quick lip for... Ah! One quick link for tips. I promise I'm not doing that on purpose. Link for tips. Just because of how good I sound and how much effort I'm putting to everything, and how long a fucking show is these days. You really get a performance out of me these days, and it's the first of the month, so you have that money. I know you want to spend it on me and not Poshmark. I don't think anybody here actually buys anything off Poshmark, but I know you want to spend it on me and not Poshmark. What do girls buy these days? Lisa Frank? What do you girls buy these days? Play-Doh? Legos? What do you do? What do you do? What do you buy? What do you spend money on? Menstrual pads? Come on. Spend them on me. Spending it on me is spending it on porn. (laughs) 
I know somebody who writes in the memo of every check that they have to write because they hate writing checks, just writes fuck you in every memo ever. And I got to say, that's pretty good. That's not bad. Was that a real earthquake? Wait, did you guys really just have another earthquake? I thought you were fucking around. I'm so sorry. I, I hope all the California girls are safe. I'm so sorry. I thought that was a joke. My apologies. I hope everybody who uh, who felt that quake is okay. Uh, but I am not seeing it on the news, so I'm pretty sure you just felt my voice. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I definitely shouldn't have said that. Uh, my voice was helping you be calm. Well, that's cool, except we're going for the opposite. We're going for the opposite starting right now because we've got a whole series of delicious smut for everybody tonight. Just going to take a quick sip of water. Mm-mm-mm. Exciting. <clears throat> as soon as she walked out of the elevator bank and onto the street, a big whoosh of breath expelled from her and flooded into her. Cicely had barely been breathing. She had been working out so hard. She had a long day at work. All of her days were long, to be honest. Her job was demanding and detail-oriented. She entered the nightly race with the subway station and hustled down the stairs at the sound of the Pavlovian ding-dong that meant that the subway doors were about to close. Cicely found a path through the sardine-packed crowd and on to the train, where she managed to find a seat. Excuse me, she said softly to the people on either side of her. Taking the subway might be animalistic activity, but she was determined to be human. She searched for her novel at the bottom of her tote bag and did not bother to remove her golden shades, which made the pages of the book look like age-yellowed pages from a vintage book. A sudden stop on the train jostled her, and she fell into the neighborhood and apologized again profusely. No problem. The woman beside her replied with a smile and a nonchalant wave of her hand. Cicely picked up her book from her lap, and that is when she looked up and saw him. The fellow commuter sitting across from her had just his suit jacket haphazardly thrown over his lap, and his tie was undone. It was clear that he had a long day as well, but his eyes were focused on her, and she felt herself moisten as her temples moisten at her temples and between her thighs. <laughs> I don't know why I find that wording so funny. I just need a second. I'll reset. Uh, moisten at the temples and between your thighs. Whew. That's a... That is a wordy way to say that she liked being looked at by this guy. All right, just give me a second. Shake it off. It's always the first porn, and then I, and then I get into it, and it's always going to be great. So here we go. <laughs> Cicely was not aroused merely just by looking at an attractive man. This was becoming a regular part of her evening commute. She had never been this close to him before, though, or rather, he had never been on display like this before her. He usually was close enough that she could look at him, but this close that she had to avoid looking up because he was obvious thing to look at. 
and she could not hide her eyes because usually she wore dark shades, but the golden-hued shades she was wearing right now would make it evident she looked at him for anything more than a second. She wore them because they matched with her cream-colored dress that also matched with the similar-colored bra and panty set that she wore underneath. Just going to stop right now, for sure written by a woman. <laughs> There's no question in my mind on this one anymore. Okay. <clears throat> it was summer, and she wanted to look light. <laughs> that was another paragraph! But it, no, I'm sorry. That really surprised me. I'm, I was like, what is that? Oh, she's talking about why she's wearing all white. Okay, got it. Okay, got it. Woo! Okay, hopefully that's enough dress for R.R. Uh, R. Martin here, and we can get on with the plot. But it was while she was wondering where to place her eyes that she noticed that, was, that he was looking directly at her. He looked at her face and allowed himself a slow, careful survey of her body that made her feel vulnerable and desired. As she looked at him, he looked back at her eyes unflinching. Cicely smiled, and a small laugh escaped her against her will. She crossed and uncrossed her legs as her eyes as his eyes followed the movement of them. Cicely was dismayed with herself because she knew that she somehow gotten under her skin. On previous nights to this one, when she snuck a look at him, she just stole a glance without him knowing. Or he looked at her fleetingly like ships passing in the night. But tonight, their eyes lingered. His eyes slit like she was actual sun. They kept looking at each other, and it felt anticlimactic after a while, even though between her legs she throbbed as she let him see her survey him. She looked at his smooth-shaven face and his eyes that seemed like a combination of amber, green, and blue from subway stop to subway stop. Her own reflection in the windows behind him showed that she looked curious. Her knees parted as she looked at his chest and his bicep. He certainly looked like he went to the gym often. His thighs, when he lifted his jacket, also suggested they had seen a lot of action at the gym. His calves, too. His body was appealing to her. He looked at her with a smile as he saw her eyes dart from his package, and he spread his legs a bit too defiantly to tease her. Okay, maybe this was written by a dude. I've never once thought that a woman was looking at my package in public. Author's note. Never once did I ever think she was looking at the dick just then. You caught her looking at your dick. Never once have I ever thought that. Dead serious. Never once. I know that's not how it works. The dick comes along for the ride. That's how it works. His thighs, when he lifted his jacket along, also suggested that they had seen a lot of action. Oh, no, sorry. <clears throat> On the other hand, she was soaking wet and not sure what she was going to do if she wasn't able to alleviate the pressure soon. Would she be like the female character in the Anise Nin story who pleasured herself on a public train in front of others? No. She would maintain her own composure. Here. She closed her book as if she was going to get off at the next stop, only because she was not reading it. Her legs parted, and she shifted in her seat, and he... And if he wanted her, very possibly, he could see her cream-colored panties before she crossed her legs again tightly, then loosely. 
If her legs were that tight, she might lose the composure she struggled to sustain. Her heart started to race because she knew she was getting off at the next stop. He did not move, did not budge at all until the door was just about to close. He nodded at her, and she watched him walk out of the car. His slight but shapely backside had her undivided attention. A sudden whoosh of breath escaped her. She became aware that her breathing had gotten shallow again while she was observing and being observed by him. The same shallowness she had just when she had left work. This was the most connected that they had been since she had seen them for the first time on the train. She wondered if he thought that they were going to make a move, or if it was only a game because he had noticed her and because they had looked at each other before. When her stop came, the only thing echoing in her station were her gold heels escaping out of the subway car and up onto the street. The sun was still up and sweet, and Cicely wanted to enjoy every last bit of it. When she got into her apartment, she ran her head over her stomach, her hand over her stomach, and realized she was exceptionally sensitive to her own sound and touch. The sound and vibration of her heels were arousing her even more than she'd been aroused on the train. The vibration ruminated through her core. That is not how you use the word ruminate. <clears throat> she had hoped that she would be able to at least take a bath before she proceeded with the evening that way that she had planned to, but she was too turned on to wait, too turned on to wait until she was done with her bath. She pulled her dress off over her head, and the movement of the dress tearing over her skin aroused her. The movement and sound of the dress was more than she could bear until she finally threw it to the floor. Her heels vibrated, and she wandered into her bedroom, got to her knees before her goodie drawer. Cicely had an assortment of toys in a myriad of colors and sizes, but she wanted the simple glass dildo. <clears throat> the simple glass dildo with the balls that reminded her of her Benoit balls. Thank goodness she did not have them in today, because she would have come on the train if she had. Stepping out of her golden heels, she walked in just her web-textured, cream-colored bra and panties over the window and sat down. She picked up her book as she curled up into her window seat, and she could reenact the scene in the subway the way it should have gone, the way she would have put the protagonist in an Eisenhower story to shame. Cicely looked relentlessly over the words in the book, the same page she had been reading on the train, because she was not really reading the words at all. The words in the pages were still yellow, and the result of her still wearing her shades. The sound of the pages turning placed her on high alert. Cicely had to touch herself sooner than later. The novel she was reading was about a woman who saw her name on her own grave, and the impending sense of doom that followed made Cicely's desire another type of little death. She had to put the book down over her thigh, finally, and let her hands begin to move over her body. Cicely imagined that she and her sexy fellow passenger were on her empty subway car so they could be lawless as she stripped to her underwear already while he came over her to the side of the subway car. The unbearable throbbing between her legs was more than she could bear. Cicely did not even look to see who could see her 
in the window outside of her house. Son of a bitch, I've tried to take this seriously, but we're going over that line again. We're 1,000% going over that. I've tried to take this seriously, but hold on. There are limits. I have to say that line again. The unbearable throbbing between her legs was more than she could bear, comma. Cicely did not even look to see who could see her in the window. Her hands had been all over her body, and her pussy pounded with need. She was so wet when she finally put her hands between her legs, so wet and hot, and her heavy breath made her heavier between her legs. She was so wet, she could hear the clicking between her legs as her fingers moved over her wet pussy lips before she really touched herself or put a finger deep inside herself. You make me so horny. She said out loud because it turned her on to say what she was feeling in her head and because she was so far gone in her fantasy that she really felt like he was there. The sound of her voice gave her goosebumps, and now that her fingers caressed her wet lips, she imploded. She pulled the crotch of her panties aside and soothed the goosebumps that emerged there. Her freshly shaven pussy was a soft delight of flesh to rub before she removed her panties, still not looking to see who could see her outside in the real world, biting her lip. She narrowed the subway scene in her mind as if to her favorite fantasy lover. And then you lick my pussy, she murmured, biting her lip, you make me so wet. She was soaking as she watched herself in her fantasy subway ride, watching him lick her pussy. Cicely cradled his head and listened to her moisture beneath his lips, the dampness she saw when she looked up at him, his mouth wet. Her fingers pumped in and out of her pussy before she was even aware of it. That was what she wanted him to do more than anything. She had studied the bulge between his legs long enough. The thickness that she noticed changed each time she looked at him, and he was thickest she had ever seen him before tonight. I love the feeling so big and hard inside of me. She murmured, still biting her lip as she reached up for the glass dildo to fill her the way she needed him to. On the screen of her fantasy, he was inside her, and she was memorized by the point at which they joined. In reality, she cried out as she climaxed from her own penetration of herself. Cicely was nearly howling as she rode the glass dildo, which slipped easily in and out of her. One final cry escaped her as she moaned out, I want you. Her legs closed together. She felt herself ruminating for her pleasure. She did love what she had more to do herself. Would she ever do this with him? She did not know. She did not know the next time she saw him and they smiled their secret smiles. He would not wholly know how her very secret smile was. She would remember this moment, and she really would be golden. Uh... That was Sexy Shades by F. Lenora Solomon. And thank you very much to the person who sent that in. Now, I do have to tear it apart a little bit. <clears throat> so you guys were tearing it apart during the live. So people at home were definitely tearing it apart as they were listening to it. I just have to say, especially for non-native speakers, that is not what ruminate means. 
or at least that is not how I've always seen and heard ruminate used. Uh, to ruminate is to overly think to the point that it causes damage or to fester on a thought in such a way that it creates a negative environment. Uh, that's rumination, I know, because I'm a ruminator. I ruminate like a motherfucker. I'm an overthinker, so I know what the word ruminate means, baby. I ruminate, and then I laminate. Wait, no, not laminate. I I want to go with another L, but that was definitely not it. That made it sound like goth arts and crafts. Lament? Wow. How do you say lament? Yeah, I did want to say laminate, but laminate. You can't say it. It's not a real word. I'll put it in my next porn. Porn. Lemonade. Lemonade. Sounds like lemonade. Lemonade. Sounds like laminate and lemonade. Huh. That's probably why we don't say it. Do we still use laminate? Because everybody I see now uses uh, resin in their arts and crafts. I don't think anyone laminates anymore. I think everyone resins anymore. Everyone's got proxy. Proxy and resin. Lemonate. Like lemonation. Oh my god. Dyslexia is making this impossible. Laminate. Oh my gosh, I want to say laminate. You laminate everything at work? Don't take your children. Well, I can see why this one was chosen. We're off to the races right now, kids. Here we go. <clears throat> Or number two. Allie's startled the man behind the desk when she burst into the yoga studio. Ah, good. All right, I'm not going to do that the whole, I promise. That was just once. <laughs> I got to get sexy and I just, sometimes you're in too good of a mood to get sexy. You know what I'm talking about. I want to do that the whole thing through, and I'm not going to for your sake. For your sake, I'm not going to do that. But it's only because I love you. Because I want to do that. So, there we are. <laughs> oh, good. She leaned on the desk as she panted, You are the man I needed to see. Uh, classes are done for the day. Keegan drawled... Uh-oh. We've got dialogue tags going every which way. Maybe I should just read everything in Australian. Make more sense. Classes are done for the day. Keegan drawled in his sexy, soothing voice, the same one that made her shiver in his public classes. She smiled as she took in his broad shoulders, the sexy, fashionable beard, and his long hair pulled into a bun at the top of his head. He was a good fifteen years younger than her, and his ass was a work of art she'd been studying three times a week for months in his yoga class. I know it's late, but I heard you do a special stress-relieving class? Privately? He looked around before leaning closer. Where did you hear that? His beautiful lips pressed together between the beard that graced his strong chin. Uh, a friend heard from someone. Word gets around. I had an awful day. 
Alice rubbed her stiff neck. Price isn't a concern? Keegan moved around the desk and took her by the elbow. It had been ages since any man touched her, never mind someone so young and handsome. His arm flexed against hers, brushing against the side of her breast as he led her down the hall to an empty studio. What did this person say? He asked once the door was closed. Just that it was a private class and helped relieve her stress. Keegan looked at her with his dark, sexy eyes. He was the reason she switched to this yoga center to gawk at the eye candy and leave with wet panties after he adjusted everyone's posture. He was far more hands-on than any other instructor at home, and none of the women in his classes complained. There was a wait list for the most wanted class in town. My private class is very intimate, but I promise... It will relieve your stress. Allie's mouth was dry, but her underwear was not. The intensity of his description left no doubt she needed his special touch. Her tongue swapped her lips. I'm in. I'll get the private class disclaimer. His eyes roamed over her body and a smile crossed his face. Strip to your bra and panties, Allie's. Before she signed the disclaimer, she appreciated that he wouldn't waste her time with any warm-up. Keegan would get straight to the relief she needed. Before she moved, the door opened again and he returned. She grabbed the hem of her skirt and pulled it off. He paused and appraised her again, the same sexy smile on his face. She grinned back, appreciating his, well, appreciation. His hands popped between her, almost warding her back from his touch. Here. Before you go further, sign at the bottom. Alice took the paper and scanned the contract. Standard for a private class, she agreed not to hold him or the studio to liability if she hurt herself. In her purse, she found a pin and used the wall to sign her name. As he retrieved the agreement, she removed her pants and tossed them aside. Keegan rolled out the two yoga mats and loosened his hair to let it fall around his shoulders. Sit cross-legged, and we'll do a quick warm-up. His voice was like melted dark chocolate, warm, smooth, and sinful. He led her through a standard routine without touching her. Then, hands and knees, Allie's. She turned over and assumed the position. Her ne she, he knelt behind her and settled his hands on her hips as she rolled under his instruction. Slow. Your movements, he commanded, as his fingers slid to her bottom, massaging her muscle as she moved more deliberately. Like that. Good. Okay, back to cross-legged. He sat behind her and guided one arm over her head and the other behind her until she held them together. How does that feel? Too much? No, thanks to all the classes I've been taking, my flexibility has greatly improved. You are one of the more diligent students. His voice was warm against her ear, making her shiver as he covered her breasts. We'll hold this position for three breaths. 
She matched her breathing to the rise and fall of his chest against her, then switched of arms as he focused on teasing her hard nipples through the elastic of her bra. She cleared her throat as his arms moved away. I think that the bra is restricting my movements. He flicked the clasp behind her. Can't have that. Keegan pulled the straps from her arms and sat cross-legged on the mat. He invited her to straddle his lap. <laughs> what pose is this? She joked as she settled on him. Stretch your arms overhead and clasp your hands. Alice lifted her arms, arching her back, thrusting her breasts at him. I could tie your wrist together and call it bound angel pose. Keegan's hands squeezed her breasts together until he teased her nipples. She gasped as he pinched her. Focus on your breathing. When she was focused again, his mouth closed on one hot peak, and it took all her will to keep her breathing even. He switched sides until she was squirming and moaning on his lap. You're still very tense, Hallies. I want you in child's pose. Knees spread. She settled on the floor, wanting to rock her hips or rub against something, ride his mouth ideally, she thought. She felt him behind her, his hands resting on her hips. This next part may increase your tension for a short period. I'm going to touch you most intimately. Are you ready? Allie clenched her thighs with a moan. Yes, Keegan, please. I'm so ready. I need it. I need you to touch me. His lips pressed against the small of her back, and then his palm brushed over her ass. Finally, blissfully between her thighs, she swore there was a slight tremble in his hand as he rubbed her damp panties against her hot slit. He found her clit through the cotton and ground against her until she moaned. Then his fingers stilled. Waves of arousal shook her body as she teethered on the edge. If she moved, if he moved his fingers, her stress would disappear. You must focus your breath to get the most from my class. I'd be disappointed if I didn't deliver all the stress relief promised. His velvet voice rasped over her nerves, pitching her arousal higher. It's, it's difficult when you... Take a moment to gain control of your breath. We can't move on to challenging poses until you master this one. Her muscles tensed, and with the need to rock against his hand or beg for more, she forced herself to even her breathing, counting four in, hold four, four out, slower, he ordered. She moved to a six count, and that satisfied him. His fingers rubbed against her cleft in the small movements until he ascertained she could remain focused. I want you to move into downward dog. Alice raised her ass in the air and distributed her weight right between her hands and feet. How's, how's my posture? So many classes he'd come behind her and adjusted his position with his hands that lingered on her hips or thighs. He shifted her hips to the left like always, except today he allowed his hips to brush hers and his palms stroked her inner thighs. Stop me if you feel any discomfort. 
not a chance of that. She almost lost control of her breath when he pulled her panties to her knees. His calloused index and middle finger rubbed her soft mound, parting to silk lips. He circled her clit. Her arm shook first, and then her legs. Can you hold the pose? He asked. Yes, she panted. Breath control. He reminded her and waited until she focused. What if I make it more challenging? Open your legs a little wider, Alice. Before she could ask how, she watched him drop between her thighs. As his head tipped back, his tongue slid along her slit. For her, her position, she had a good view of his tongue working her heated flesh. He licked her swollen clit until her arms couldn't take any more. King, I can't. He left her and wrapped his arms around the middle to help lower her to the floor. Something to work towards. He murmured in her ear, Let's get your focus back. Lie on your back. Lift your hips into the bridge pose. When she rolled her back, she realized she was facing the wall of mirrors. She grabbed her panties to pull them up, but he knelt beside her and stopped her hand. Leave them. Tegan massaged her breasts again, rolling her nipples between his thumb and fingers. The sensation from his mouth, from his hands, went straight between her legs. She'd been so close with her body, and it gave out on her. Hips up alleys, he said in the yoga instructor tone, deep, slow, calm. His hands on her ass helped push her hips up. Good. I wish you could see yourself in the mirror. It's a beautiful sight. His palm rubbed her pussy to highlight what he was viewing. She feasted her eyes on him. I have such a nice view right where I am. She raised her hands and rubbed his muscly forearm. He smiled. It was the smile of a man who knew his sexiness. Flattery for your yoga instructor will get you special treatment. He found her swollen clit again and brushed over it, his sexy eyes trained on her face. Focus on your breathing, he reminded her again. She tried and failed because he was rubbing her most perfect spot, the part of her that was hot and needy and so sensitive. She might come if she'd just squeeze her legs together. She tensed her thighs and pressed her hips higher. They rocked in time with her movements. Keegan stopped again. You're breaking the rules of this studio, Alice. If you can't breathe properly, you won't get the benefits. Let's try a grin. Cross-legged smart. Allie's body did not want to listen. It wanted to grind against something, anything, until she came. Reluctantly, she lowered her butt to the floor and sat across from him, panting from need instead. He pulled his shirt off, revealing an impressive set of pecs covered in dark hair. This would not help her. She looked into his eyes with panic. Keegan, I know what you need. He took her hand and placed it on her chest. Look into my eyes. Match my breath. She met his eyes and felt his hand rise and fall on her slow breathing. Her inner tension melted away as she equaled his movements. Time ceased to exist for a moment, and she was pulled deep into his gaze. The longer they stayed like this, the more she wanted him to kiss her, balance his body weight over her, then fuck her until they were both satisfied. And from the heat that built between them, she thought he just might. 
Then he placed his hand on her thigh. That's better. We should try that, to be bound angel pose. Lie back, remove your panties, then put the soles of your feet together. Alice pushed her panties off her feet, laid back into the pose, knees out, soles of her feet pressed together. Keegan bent and picked up her panties, then stood over her while he pressed them to her face, hiding her smile. That was a sight she would relieve every fucking time she smiled from now until the day she died, or her bones became too brittle to attend. Whatever happened first, raise your arms over the floor. She stretched out, still looking up at him while he, she slipped his panties around her wrists, winding them to restrain her. She could escape, but she wouldn't unless he ordered her to. Kneeling over her, he kissed her lips. His tongue glided into her mouth. Her arousal lingered on him, filling her. He kissed down her body, teasing her nipples, the hollow of her belly button and the inside of her knees. He straddled her knees where they stretched to one side. His eyes were fire as he lowered to the mound between her legs. His lips massaged hers, and she arched to meet him, a finger pressed into her, curling against her inner wall. One finger or two. The vibration sent a shockwave of pleasure through her body when he moaned into her. Before she answered, he pumped a second deep into her. The inferno burning in his gaze held her with his glorious tongue, and it flicked her clit until lava poured through her. Her legs quaked under the power of the red-hot arousal spilling from her and her walls as they echoed off the studio walls. He devoured her and her body as it combusted into stardust and slowly fell around them until they came together to make her shape again. When she opened her eyes, she found his concerned face hovering over her, his beard shiny with desire. She reached up and ran her fingers over the slickness. Did that take care of your stress? He asked, kissing her hand. She sighed, stretching her loose muscle. His voice was soft and dreamy. Her stress was relieved many times over. <clears throat> Private Class by Azrae Devin. A-S-R-A-I-D-E-V-I-N. Boy, that was very well written. That was very well written. Tip show link. Since I read it so well, all the girls who haven't tipped me and they think that they are horny, you should now consider it. Ah, I ran out of breath in my song. I need water. I need that rare kind of breathing you can only do when you put water in your lungs. Ah, well, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. God, this show's been just going right along, hasn't it? Little quick breather for Danny. Ah, I'm so glad you think so, Ix. I think I read it pretty okay, too. A little fast, but that's all right. Just trying to increase my speed, my stamina, all that thing. Have more fun with voices. Gotta have fun with it. What's the point if you don't have fun with it? Okay, guys. Either I made a huge mistake, 
or this is the last porn of the night. Uh, looks like I opened one of those porns twice. So I'm just going to make sure real, real quick. Real, real quick. Uh, just one second, guys. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought we had four pieces of porn, uh, because I opened one twice. So this is going to be the last piece of porn for the evening. It's going to be our last piece for the evening. I hope you've had a real fun show. Just going to shake off my uh, just just kind of prepping for it. And then this will be it. This is why you guys need to request more porn, because uh, if you had 30 more minutes of porn for me to read, I would be reading 30 more minutes of porn. I was ready for it. I was prepared for it. I just opened the same one twice. Sorry. My bad, guys. I thought there were four pieces of porn. There's three. Here we go. <clears throat> what does Jan want from me? And what do I want from him? I'm standing by his bed, my arms stretched out above me, suspended from ropes that loop around my wrists. His hands and mouth have explored my body, tantalizing and arousing, teasing and pleasing. My skin is still tingling, my nipples still taut, my pussy has been pleasured to orgasm, but there is still a yearning ache between my legs. Surely... He won't leave me in this state, only partially satisfied. Why hasn't he fucked me? Is he bored? Has he lost interest? Such stupid questions. The bulge in his pants is evidence enough of his desire. He is still teasing me. He knows I want his mouth on mine, his cock to fill me. Should I leave? Perhaps I should. Perhaps I need to show him who has the real control. And yet, there he sits, silently, watching me, with those intense eyes, with that same self-assured, confident look the first attracted me six months ago, that told me I need to be fucked. I work for my father in a small construction company. Three years ago, after I finished my accounting and finance degree, he took me on as a trainee manager. I loved the banter and the friendly atmosphere, and I quickly settled in. Six months ago, we advertised for a foreman. Jan was one of the applicants. When he walked into the office, I felt an instant attraction. He was lean and muscular, and he had an unmistakably masculine presence. His eyes were particularly attractive. There was an alluring intensity about them. The first time he looked at me, I felt as though he had seen into my soul. We interviewed Jan, and he got the job. He had excellent qualifications and proved to be very competent and a hard-working foreman. He was his own man. Once or twice a week, Jan would come into the office to update my father and talk about any work problems. Technically, I was his boss and I would often sit in on these meetings. I looked forward to his visits. Meetings were usually short. Jan didn't waste words. He always got straight to the point. 
I love listening to the deep tone of his voice, which was enhanced by an attractive Polish accent. When I visited the sites with my father to check on work, it was apparent that Jan had the respect of the men he supervised. I saw glimpses of senses of humor, a playfulness that wasn't there when he spoke to me, although he was always polite and respectful. This irritated me. I wanted his attention. I made several attempts to engage him in more than just superficial conversation, but I didn't get anywhere. Eventually, I gave up. I began to feel an animosity towards him, which I tried to keep in check. I knew I was being irrational. It was the last week that the situation changed. I was sitting at my desk on a Friday afternoon, sorting out an administration problem when an email came in from a friend of mine. She'd often attach an interesting picture to the email. I clicked on the attachment, and the screen filled with a picture of a woman on a leash. She was on all fours filleting a man in a dinner suit. From the background, it appeared as though they were at a sophisticated party, and it was a very sexy picture. I studied it for a while, but had to minimize the picture when Jan on a unexpectedly came into the office. We made brief, polite conversation before he queried the location of a new job his gang would be starting the following week. Where is it, he asked. Hold on, I said, typing the address into the computer. As I typed, he came and stood behind me. I felt myself tense a little. As a map appeared, he bent down to examine the screen, and I could smell his masculine aroma and feel his warm breath on my neck. It's unsettled me. Oh, I know where that is, he said. Have you got the telephone number? Distracted by the deep, mellow vibrations of his voice, I inadvertently clicked on the minimized image my friend had sent. I sat, frozen with embarrassment, as a picture of a woman on a leash, greedily filleting a man in a dinner suit, filled the screen. There was a sickening silence. Jan was still behind me, so I couldn't see his reaction. I wanted the ground to open up and swallow me. I muttered a hurried apology and went to click it off, but I felt his hand on top of mine. No, don't get rid of it. It's a beautiful picture. His voice was gentle but firm, and he asked if I liked it. I said a friend had sent it to me as a practical joke. But do you like it? He asked again. I'm not sure, I said. I do, he said. It's very arousing. I love the look on her face. That's the look of an uninhibited woman who enjoys sex. It's very erotic. She gave a kindly smile, but his eyes bore into me. There's a theory that people who have a lot of responsibility and power in their personal lives enjoy release that this type of submission brings. Do you think that's the case? I'm not sure, I said, repeating myself. I sounded dull and priggish, but I felt horribly flustered. I clicked off the picture, and Jan, aware that this was still a signal for the conversation to stop, shrugged his shoulders and stood up. Okay. I have all the details I need. 
I'll call you up on Monday and let you know if there are any problems. He walked to the door and paused. Let me know if you get any more pictures like that. I find them very sexy. He smiled. It was a sincere, friendly smile, and he left me feeling vulnerable and inexplicably aroused. I didn't see or hear from Jan all week, and then, on Friday afternoon, he walked into the office and he put an envelope on the desk. What's that? I asked. Instructions, he answered. Instructions for what? I asked. Instructions for a beautiful experience. He turned and walked out of the office, but just as he reached the door, he turned back and looked at me with those intense eyes. It's up to you, he said, with that delicious accent. And then he left. I opened the envelope and took out a piece of folded paper. It read, Tomorrow, 10 o'clock, 15B Compton Street. Further instructions will be taped to the door. Wear a dress and some pretty lingerie. Think of the picture. There was a key in the envelope. I was outraged. How dare he treat me with such disrespect? I felt embarrassed. The picture had obviously given him the wrong idea about me. But I was also intrigued. I had to admit that I fancied him like mad. And what if I didn't show up? That would be a slap in the face that he'd probably never bother with me again. But what was he planning? Why had he alluded to the picture? I felt aroused and excited. Later that evening, I texted the friend who had sent me the picture, telling her about the letter. She replied, Just do it. I decided to take a chance, and having made the decision, I was filled with an exhilarating sense of adventure. The following morning, I got up, had a long, relaxing bath, and picked out a suitable dress. I put on a pair of lacy briefs, suspenders, and stockings, and decided to go brawless. I couldn't remember the last time I'd felt such excitement. I arrived at the address dead on ten. It was a large Edwardian building and had been converted into flats. I let myself into the main entrance and walked apprehensively up a wide set of stairs until I reached flat B. An envelope was taped to the door. My name was on it. I took it down and opened it. The inside was a note and another key. Let yourself in, it said. Go to the bedroom where you will find me. Above the bed there are two ropes with loops. And dress. Secure your hands in the loops and wait. Do not speak at any time. If you do, the experience will end. Do you trust me? If not, then leave. Now. I consider myself to be a strong, independent woman, and I was irritated by the dominating, presumptuous tone of the note. However, the thought of submitting myself to Jan was extremely arousing. What could possibly await me? I put the key into the lock and opened the door. The hallway was large. A number of doors led off. All were closed. I opened the nearest. It was a beautifully decorated bathroom. I walked around it. My heels clicked loudly on the tiled floor. I knew he would be able to hear me in the silence of the flat. I felt exhilarated. Alive. 
The next door led to a bedroom, the next to the kitchen, and the next to a living room. Each room was stylishly decorated. I took my time looking around, knowing he could hear me, excited by the increasing tension. The final door I opened tentatively, knowing he was in the room, waiting. The door opened onto a sumptuously decorated bedroom. A four-poster bed stood in the middle of the room, and to the left of that, in a corner of the room, a large armchair sat Jan. He was naked except for a pair of pants. My mouth watered slightly as I scanned his muscular torso and legs. He didn't smile, but his eyes met mine and then looked towards the four-post bed where I noticed the ropes hanging from the supports. I knew I would submit. I wanted to. I made my way over to the bed slowly, teasingly, removed my dress and let it drop to the floor. I looked across it at Jan. His face was impassive, but I noticed with great satisfaction the flare of his nostrils and the bulge in his pants. I looked my hands through the ropes, leaving my arms outstretched and suspended. Jan picked up the collar and leash from a table next to the armchair and then walked over to me. His eyes had remained fixed on mine. Their effect on me was mesmerizing. My heart was pounding and my body was trembling with excitement and trepidation. I felt a pleasant shock as he rested one hand on my belly and stroked my hair with the other. He then pushed my hair back from my shoulders and secured the collar around my neck so that the tasseled leash hung between my breasts. I made no effort to resist. He stroked my hair again and rested his forearm against mine. I felt his soft, warm breath, and I waited for the touch of his lips on mine. But it never came. Instead, his head moved down towards my breast, and I felt his mouth on my nipple, gently biting and sucking, releasing threads of pleasure that ran down my belly, titillating my pussy. And then he began playing with the tasseled leash, softly lashing my belly, further arousing me. I was his, willingly submitting myself to the pleasure he wished to inflict. Jan began to explore my body with his mouth, running his tongue up and down it, licking, kissing, and sucking while I squirmed with pleasure. Every so often he would break away and look deeply, searchingly into my eyes. Further entrancing me, subduing any resistance I might have felt. Eventually he knelt down and slipped off my breeze as I grasped and felt his hand massage my cunt. He stood up, went over to the small table, and returned with a vibrator, which he switched on and gently rubbed over my nipples, down over my belly, and then between my legs. I was now groaning uncontrollably as my body responded to the agitating vibrations, releasing pulses of pleasure. Jan dropped back to his knees, and I felt the head of the vibrator between the lips of my cunt as his mouth and tongue massaged my clit. I gasped and shuddered. My belly heaved and my hips undulated. My hands gripped tightly to the ropes, tensing with pleasure as I enjoyed a shuddering orgasm. And then, suddenly, Jan left me.
He walked back to the armchair, seen himself, and stared at me, his face impassive, his eyes intense. He'd broken me. I'd submitted. And here I was, stand, feeling confused and vulnerable. i dress and, without speaking, walk to his front door. And then i stop. He'd left me in a state of heightened, unsated arousal. I need to feel his tongue in my mouth and his cock inside me. I need to be fucked. How dare he leave me in such a state? I turn around and walk back into the bedroom. He's still in the armchair, his eyes on the door. He has been waiting, expecting. And then, suddenly, I understand. He's playing with me, aroused me. His fingers and mouth have pleasured my clunt. It is now I who must approach him. It is I who must submit again. I must now offer myself completely for him to fulfill my needs. I need to fulfill his. I walk over to him and bend down to kiss him. He responds, opening his mouth, greedily taking my tongue. I feel the grip of his hands on my buttocks. And then he scoops me up in his hands and carries me over to the bed where he feasts on my cunt. And then he mounts me, his cock fills me, and he rides me vigorously, passionately. His fucking is unrestrained, his lust unbridled. He had been in control, but now he surrenders to his lust. He surrenders to me. Letting Go by J.D. Jacks. J.D. J.A.K.S. <clears throat> Well, if you're listening to the recording, that's only like a like a two-hour show, like a two-hour, ten-minute show, the recording. But if you came out live, holy crap, did I do a whole lot of talking before we got involved in here. So we're up to about three hours now uh, of straight live recording, and I'm feeling really good about it. I feel great right now. Like I'm kind of low energy because, you know, I just talked for three hours. But I feel great. Uh, this is how I feel. <laughs> I just, you know, drained a little bit. It's a lot of emphasis. There's a lot of emotional energy. You know, I put it all into the show. So I feel really good. I feel really relaxed. Uh, I hope you guys do too. I had a great time tonight. I absolutely uh, love doing these shows. I hope that comes across. I do. I hope it comes across. I look forward to them. I get excited. I enjoy rousing everybody up. I enjoy reading. I enjoy what you guys are doing. Uh, I do. When, I, when I'm not embarrassed because I'm talking about myself way too much, I uh, I love every part of these shows. I do. Every last part of them. One last link for tips. Uh, and that'll be the last one for tonight. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to everybody who uh, submitted something. Thank you to everybody who came out. Thank you to everybody who tips. You keep the project on a going. Thank you to everyone after all. If you're listening to this, then you really like me because you got to the end of a long show where nobody did anything but me talking. So you definitely like me a lot. There's already a Cowboy Jack up for five bucks this month on the Patreon. There's going to be a lot more in that bucket before the end of the summer. Never been a better time to become a patron. Thank you so much to everybody who is. Thank you so much to everybody. Everybody, no matter what you contribute, no matter what you do, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it and you. Please keep coming out to the live shows. Yes, there will be another one next Friday. Yes, we will be doing a Saturday show sometime in uh, July. 
I do promise we just haven't scheduled it yet, which one, uh, but it will happen. Thank you to everyone. I do appreciate it. I do appreciate you. Uh, Go on. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Have a wonderful time.